Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are able to gather here. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to come and sit and learn from you. Lord, there's so many places in the world that that can't be done, but we're blessed to be able to do that. So I just pray, Lord, that each and every heart here will be blessed and touched by you as we look at your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The last few weeks we've been looking at a theme of fighting for our faith. And today I want to continue that by looking at distractions. So what are some distractions? Distractions could be anything that gets in the way of our walk with God. It could be anything that uh, at the time takes precedence over a conversation with God or something that stops us from doing something with God that we have been going to do. It could be something that holds us back from reading our Bible. Maybe it is something that's stopping us from doing our duty with our family and that might be a source of angst in some relationships. Distractions are all around us all day. So has anybody ever watched or listened to Question Time in Parliament? That's an experience. What usually happens? They fight. So they debate. That's, that's more eloquent, yes. But what they actually do is one party will throw a question or a comment at another party and then the response will be pointing of fingers and getting right off of topic and sometimes it even gets personal and some of them get kicked out. So there's a few distractions there. They get right off topic. Now who can remember as a kid, and I certainly did this so I'm preaching to myself, of trying to talk our way out of trouble by bringing up some things that make somebody else look worse, hoping to transfer guilt and avoid punishment. I did that, didn't anybody else? Some adults do that too. Some people never grow up. Anyone ever witnessed a social media exchange that got totally off topic and it got personal? Anyone ever seen that? So here's a good question. Why aren't we allowed to use our mobile phone when we're driving? Because it's a distraction. It's something that takes us away from what we should be doing. Have anyone ever been doing something and got distracted and forgot what they were doing? Sometimes I'll walk into a room thinking, what did I come in here for? And I can't remember what I was doing. Sometimes I might start a job and I need certain tools to do it and I spend more time looking for the tools than I do doing the job. That's a distraction. Distractions come in all shapes and sizes, in all colours, in all shades and in all different packages. And any time without warning, there's a distraction. <laughs> what consumes our time? What keeps us busy? Where do the hours go? How many hours have we got in a week? 168. Can we do anything to get any more? No, but we've got to fit everything in in 168 hours a week. About 30 years ago, I used to laugh when I heard folk that had retired say, I really don't know how I had time to go to work. I'm so busy. That was 30 years ago. Has anyone ever said that? Anyone ever heard that? I say that nowadays, and I think it's funny. So sometimes you can think to yourself that you're so busy that you haven't even got time for God. Why is that? That's because we got distracted. So let's just have a quick little survey. 
what are some distractions that people find they have to deal with? And I don't want anyone to air dirty laundry. Just what, what are some simple distractions? Yes? Have you got one? I saw the hand go up. Not you, no, behind you. No? Okay. Sorry? Social media. Is that a distraction? Is it a time waster? Yes. It's a big one. What else is there? Phone, yeah. Husband. Husband, oh, no. <laughs> I have to get this one in. There was a really good distraction on last night on TV. Port Power. That was a cracker game, that was. <laughs> yes? Washing the dishes. Washing the dishes. Yep. But you'd be in trouble if you didn't do it. Children, yes. Up the back. Lunch break, okay. There's a whole heap of distractions that we face every day and they often interrupt other things we're doing and especially sometimes they interrupt our walk with God. So we have to deal with a whole heap of distractions but I want to look at a couple of specific ones in the Bible this morning. I'll see if I can get the technology out and make it work. That's a distraction. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even push a button. (laughs) Well done, Gracie. Thank you. Okay, so the most obvious and recognisable distraction is the story about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. In Matthew 4, 1 to 11, if you've got your Bibles with you, otherwise it's on the screen. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendour. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Now in that scripture, the devil tries to distract Jesus by using his circumstances. The fact that Jesus was in the wilderness, just think for a minute, he was hungry, tired, dirty, lonely, uncomfortable and hot and sweaty. He probably was somewhat dehydrated. He was probably itchy, probably dealing with a million flies, probably dust in his eyes and probably a little bit irritable and not feeling very crash hot. 40 days in the wilderness will do that to anybody. And here comes the devil, most likely the last individual that Jesus would have wanted to deal with right then and there. And the devil turns up with a load of rubbish and tries to distract Jesus. Three times the devil tried to distract Jesus, tried to turn him away from what he was doing and divert him. And three times Jesus rebuked the devil. Now Jesus was fully human and subject to human emotions and given his surroundings and conditions, He was quite likely not very polite to the devil and he refused to buy into the devil's schemes and be drawn away from what he was doing. 
Now I want to look at another character in the Bible that the devil attempted to distract roughly 1,700 years earlier but ultimately he failed to do so. Now this is a long read but we'll persevere. Job chap- We're going to read Job chapters 1 and 2. In chapter 1, In the land of Uz there was a man named Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people in the east. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. Now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were ploughing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who had escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down over your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the Lord, name of the Lord be blessed. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Chapter 2. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. 
Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Jacob? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. I'm glad I'm not married to her. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this Job did not sin in what he said. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Nahamite, all heard about heard all about his troubles they had come, that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathise with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognise him. They began to weep aloud and tore their clothes and sprinkled ash, uh, dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Do you think Job might have been a bit distracted? Do you think that one or two things might have got in the way of his faith? The devil had put him through the ringer. Job was in absolute despair through no fault of his own. Job was not perfect and we can read on, if we read on, there's another 39 chapters in which we can see that he had some problems dealing with what happened to him. On top of that, his wife tried to get him to curse God and die. And if we read further, we would also see that his three friends, although well-intentioned, in their attempts to console and counsel Job and help him find answers, they actually made matters worse. The people that had been left, the people he's left with that were close to him, were no help at all. In fact, they were a hindrance. In Job chapter 13 and verse 4, Job became so annoyed with his mates that he called them worthless physicians who whitewash with lies. Now they were offended by that, predictably, and relationships were strained. And understandably, Job did not cope very well with the fact. In fact, he was beside himself that he even tried to argue with God. But we can see in the last chapter of Job, in Job 42, 1 to 6. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is it that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job saw that big picture that Brian was referring to. Job saw that God could see more than he could see. 
There was no way that Job could possibly understand that the things that were going on in his life were not about him. They were a battle between God and Satan. They were Satan trying to prove God, that, to prove to God that Job would uh, turn his back on God. But very interestingly, that didn't happen. Job did struggle. He did suffer badly, but at no time did he turn his back on God. In the last few verses of Job 42, after this one I've just read, it describes how God restored and blessed Job more than he had ever been blessed prior to his torment. But the lesson here for us is that Job overcame the oppressor that was trying to get him to turn his back on God. The devil threw everything he possibly could at Job to distract him, but he failed to crack him. Job's faith, although tested to the extreme, stood firm because Job, even though he struggled, even though he was suffering badly, he fought very hard all the way. He fought for his faith all the way. As much as he tried, the devil could not defeat him and Job refused to give in to the devil and refused to give the devil what he wanted. The devil wanted Job to abandon his faith, but Job pushed back and did not surrender his faith in God. It's an unfortunate fact of life that stuff happens. It happens to all of us. It happens when we least expect it. It happens when we don't want it to happen. It happens when it's the last thing we want to happen. God never ever promised that life would be easy, comfortable, stable or rich. He didn't promise that life would be just peachy and nothing would go wrong, but he did promise to always be with us. He said when he, just before he left the disciples, I will always be with you until the ends of the earth. Now perhaps if Adam and Eve had not got distracted by the devil, things would be different, but they did get distracted and they spoiled everything for everyone, including God. But we need to remain focused on God and not get distracted from God's purpose. 1 Timothy 1.4, sorry, 1 Timothy 4.10 says, That is why we labour and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the saviour of all people, especially of those who believe. Matthew 5.11 says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Life can be cruel. People can be cruel. But it's how we handle that that makes all the difference. We can let ourselves become distracted by that and focus on that alone. Uh, or we can fight against it and rebuke the bad stuff and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and deal with the distractions like he dealt with them. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Didn't go. That's better. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of, of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Just going back to Job for a minute, when Job's life came crashing down around him, he could have, he could have easily used all sorts of reasons to turn his back on God. He could have done what many others have done when things go bad. He could have turned to drink. He could have turned to drugs, gambling, violence, crime and any number of other vices, even including self-harm and suicide. But he did not. He did struggle for a long time, but then he refocused on God. When Jesus was pestered by the devil in the wilderness, he could have succumbed to the temptation, but fortunately he did not. And here, in these two examples, we can see in both Jesus and Job, the verse James 4, 7 to 10 at work. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now that's in the NIV. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts that in the Message Bible. So let's have a look at that. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he will be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun times are over. Get serious really serious get down on your knees before the master it's the only way you'll get to your feet now that's pretty confronting Peterson doesn't mince words he doesn't beat about the bush whenever something happens to us if we keep our focus on Jesus we can handle it like he would who can remember the little acronym what is it WWJD what would Jesus do We've seen what Jesus did when the devil tried to distract him. We've seen how Jesus rebuked the devil, rebuked the distractions and carried on doing what he was there for, what God's purpose was in his life. Jesus fought for his faith, but not a fight like in a human fight, like a barroom brawl. It was a battle in the heart and the mind. Jesus made a conscious decision and Job as well. They both made a conscious decision to remain focused on God's purpose in their lives. That's how Jesus fought for his faith and that's how we need to fight for our faith. A conscious decision to make Jesus number one in our lives. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now some of you might remember back at Easter, I was preaching about how Jesus was crucified and he took the keys of hell and death away from the devil and he locked the door. So the devil is locked up. He can't get to us, he can't harm us, he can't physically do any damage, but he can yell and scream. And that's what he does. So a question today is, what are we listening to? 
Are we listening to the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit or are we distracted by the shouts and screams of the devil? So what things are important to you this morning? Is there anything that is more important than your walk with Jesus? If there is, is that a distraction? Do you need to rearrange your priorities so that God is number one in your life? Perhaps you're going through some things. Perhaps there's some things that are just too hard. Perhaps you feel like giving up. Stuff has happened in your life that you don't like, but you're focused on that rather than on Jesus. God knows what you're going through and he wants you to focus on him and see what he can do. If things are going bad for you, remember what Eugene Peterson said in James chapter 4. Yell a loud no to the devil and a quiet yes to God. Could the band come back up please? I'd like to finish with two scriptures. And perhaps while I read these scriptures you might like to close your eyes and start to do some business with God. As I read them, if your distractions are keeping you from God and his word, if you feel that things are too hard in your, and your life is crashing down around you, then have a chat with God this morning. If you would like someone to pray with you, then after I've read these two scriptures, you might like to stand and others around you can come and pray with you. God is always open for business. He's never closed. He always wants to do business with his people. Perhaps just close your eyes as I read. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. The other scripture is Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 from the Message Bible. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on a religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and tightly. If there's something in your life at the moment that you're having trouble dealing with, talk to God about it. Perhaps you might like to stand or raise your hand or indicate somehow that you like prayer and those around you could gather around and pray for you. God wants to do business with you this morning. He wants you to give your distractions to Him so that He will deal with them for you. Just like Job had a whole heap of things happening in his life, yet he did not give up his faith. Just like the devil tried to distract Jesus and tempt Him to do things that Jesus had no intentions of doing, Jesus rebuked the devil. He rebuked that which was going to take his faith away. God would like you to do that this morning.